0: Hey everyone, Vic here. Uh, I will be speaking today. Uh, welcome again to Church at Home. Trust you are well. Uh, I'm going to be wrapping up the book of Haggai today. This will be week five uh, out of that book in, in the Bible. Uh, we've had uh, behind us at least four weeks uh, in the small prophetic book uh, in the Scriptures, um, the book of Haggai. And the question you may have is, um, what is left to say? I mean, we, we have... Read right up until the end of this book, right up the end of chapter two. Uh, You know what's going on here, Vic? Is there some kind of Easter egg that we haven't seen here? Um, You know, is there a hidden Valentine's Day message in here that we can bring out today? Uh, And the answer is no, there isn't. Um, Nothing new necessarily, but I do feel very strongly uh, that it's it's a moment for us as a church to take very seriously uh, what God is saying to us. Uh, a message to us as a church through this book. I think we've done a great job at looking at the historical context and what it meant for the listeners, for the hearers. But but the question is still, and every week has been, what does it mean for us? And uh, I don't know if you noticed, maybe I'll read that uh, in chapter 2. As we journey through uh, verse 6 in chapter 2, God is saying that, uh, Yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, said God. You know, he's saying that the, 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 the latter glory will be greater than the former glory, but there will be the shaking. If and if you notice, and if you carry on reading towards the end of chapter 2, uh, this is in verse uh, 21, um, you know, God repeats himself. There. He says to the governor, there, um, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth. You know? I'm about to, to shake kingdoms and nations again. I'm, I'm about to do something great. Uh, and so I actually want to stop for a moment and, and just talk about this shaking. You know, I, I think it's interesting that God is saying, uh, uh, yet once more, I'm going to shake. You know? So there's a sense that uh, I'm going to do it again. It's happened before, um, and, 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 and I needed to do that. I needed to do some shaking. We know that this nation uh, uh, was actually in exile, uh, and so they'd come back, and that exile was a sense where God was, was uh, honoring His words, saying, if you, if you don't do what I, what I, what I t- tell you to do, there will be consequences. And, and, they, and, they, and they were in exile, and got shaken up a bit, and now they've returned a bit. So th- there was a sense that God has shaken them up as a nation a little bit. But He's saying, once again, I'm going to do it. Um, uh, God is committed, it seems to, to me, to, to shaking us up and shaking us out of apathy. Um, and, and the question is, what would it take? You know, some of the examples uh, we see here in the book of Haggai, how far God would go. Uh, even as we looked at the, the first chapter, we realized that there was some chastening that happened, you know, in terms of the, 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 um, you know, the welfare. It didn't go as well with them as possible. God's saying, I'm behind this. I'm, there's a chastening that's happening here, but it's because I'm chasing you is because I want you to wake up to the truth. I want you to wake up to the glories of who I am and what I am doing. That shaking is taking place. And so um, I think the question for us is, if God is so committed that He said, I'm going to once more shake, I'm going to once more make it clear that I'm the king, that I'm make, uh, building a kingdom, uh, and, and you need to prioritize yourself and align yourself with that, you know, what, what's, what would it take for us to not fall into that trap? What would it take for God to shake us us? Shake us up, excuse me. And uh, you know, I was thinking about my son. I think I've used this illustration before, but but it kind of happens so often that you know I find myself uh, you know thinking it's a new story uh, every day. But uh, my oldest son is a teenager, and and uh, to wake him up in the mornings is quite an ordeal. Um, uh, You know, it's not as easy as it used to be when he was younger, Um, and so we have to shake him. And it seems like you know, the deeper into the teens, it seems like the more shaking is required in the mornings for him to, to come out of his slumber, come out of his sleep. A great irony there, because I remember him jumping on my wife and I very early in the mornings, waking us up before we were awake when he was a baby, when he was younger. Um, and now the tables have turned. Now we're the ones jumping on him, trying to wake him up. Um, but that is, that, is, that is the case with shaking often. It's, it's like, wake up, you're asleep. Um, and, and the point of shaking... Uh, you know, it's to obviously bring you out of your dream world into reality, out of sleep back into reality. And, and, and so that's the, that's the reason behind the shaking uh, of us, the shaking that God does in our lives and in our world. Um, it's, a, it's a testing, in one sense, of our efforts. Uh, when there's shaking that takes place, um, uh, you know, you think of an earthquake, uh, you know, the, the, the foundations are tested. Uh, when it undergoes that kind of stress, uh, the quality of our lives are tested. Uh, the, you know, the Scripture uses in Hebrews twelve, for example, the difference between eternal and temporary things. You know, uh, what is our lives built upon? What is our what is our lives? What are our lives made of? What's the stuff of our lives? Um, eternal or temporary things? Uh, it talks about um, the testing of our faith. You know, are we fair weathered faith people? That that we have faith in God only when it goes really well. Or when there's a bit of shaking, uh, is our faith still secure in God, saying in spite of this, this, uh, this, this, this uncertainty around us, the storm that we might be going through, um, you know, are we anchored in Him? Uh, Toby reminds us of, of, uh, of Jesus' words as our foundation. Uh, and uh, you know, Jesus Himself saying, If you hear my words and do them, you're like the wise man who builds his, builds his house on a rock, not on, on sand, that when the storm comes, that house on sand will fall by the wayside. And so the shaking helps us also to understand, are we, are, is God's Word in our lives, in our mouths? Or is it just something that we others say uh, and actually our lives are not evident uh, of us believing it and knowing God's Word and having built our lives upon that? And so there's purpose to the shaking. It's to wake us up. And how does God shake? Well, I kind of alluded to that a little bit. You know, one Peter chapter one verse six to seven says this: In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, uh, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Right. So that's the first one, trials. So that you, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire. May be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, kind of that's the first kind of way I think God shakes us is is is, is through trials. You know, even this nation went through some trials there uh, themselves, um, and, and and the trials are, are, are something we should rejoice in. It's amazing that the the, the trial is a, is a gift, right? The storm is a gift. The shaking is a gift because when it comes, actually, we're able to see. If, if our faith is genuine, it's a test. It, it, see, does it come out pure, purer? Even, he's saying here, you know, gold, obviously, when it goes through fire, uh, um, uh, is pure on the other side, but it says, you know, it may still perish. But the amazing thing here is that, um, you know, our faith, when it's tested, uh, might, will result in praise and glory and honor if it comes out good on the other side to God. Like there's a sense that it's, it has eternal purpose, eternal worth, eternal weight. Um, and and uh, so we should be grateful. We should rejoice when we're shaken through trials, the difficulty. Maybe you've gone through quite a trial this year. Maybe you're, looking, you're staring a trial in the face uh, uh, into, the, into the, the rest of this year, 2021. And when we have God at the center, uh, we can actually rejoice. Because it also says that just for a little while, we have an eternal perspective so it's not forever, it's for a little while there's some trials. Like we, we understand in the in the scope, in the light of eternity, this trial is just a little blip, uh, just a just a, a quick momentary affliction. Uh, and we can hold on to our anchor to our God. Um, and, and and this trial, you know, will show what we are made of. It's like those um, checkups, those those inspections that take place when you do renovations in your home, or, or you're building something, and the inspector needs to come for these little checkups before the final inspection, uh, just to make sure. You know, maybe it's rough roughed-in plumbing. Just want to make sure, like, will this will this thing hold? Will this thing work? You know, is is how your building sound so that uh, you know you can continue to build because the final inspection um, is still coming. Trials are those 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 in between, those little. Uh, inspections that we have before the great day when our work will be tested uh, as believers. Uh, and we'll talk about that and how that works in a moment. So sometimes it's the trials. I think other times it's the time. It's just how long uh, things take, how long maybe promises that you have, how long it takes to come to a fruition. Uh, in verse uh, 6 of, of chapter 2, you know, when God talks about a shaking, He says, in, in a little while. Um, and in verse 21, um, He says, I'm about to shake. Um, and you know when he, when God says in a little while, or you know I'm about to do something, uh, just to just to uh, um, inform you. That it's not always according to our definition of time, <laughs> to, to, to how we measure things. Um, you know, even in this passage here, it was hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus, which was ultimately kind of that fulfillment that God gave to Zerubbabel. Um, and, and Toby explained that uh, last week, um, you know, in the last few verses of chapter two here, that Jesus came, you know, through the line of David. Zerubbabel was part of that line. It almost seemed like it was going to not work out, but God brought him back. And said, "No, I've chosen you. It's going to happen." Um, but but you know, he's saying, "I'm about to shake the nations." You know, part of that shaking was the coming of Jesus. Uh, uh, um, it's an amazing thing that took place there. Uh, maybe there'll be time to to mention that a little later. But uh, it didn't happen. Uh, overnight. It didn't happen in that moment. And actually for us, knowing that much, some of the promises that we read in Haggai are still to be fulfilled, most likely in the grand scheme of things. You know, when we think about where, where, where history is working towards, the, the climax of it all, the consummation of God's kingdom, um, we are still waiting. We're kind of in the now, not yet kingdom. Um, uh, and we patiently wait for those promises. We've seen some of them come to pass, but not all of them. And so um, you know, some of the trials or some of the shaking and the testing we may experience has to do with time, just how long God is taking. Uh, and, and, and because He's in charge, we, we need to be patient. We need to learn to endure through that, that season uh, of waiting. Uh, so sometimes it's the trials, sometimes it's the time. Other times it actually is the toils, the, the efforts, the works uh, in our lives, our, our own efforts in particular, doing things in our own strength, doing things in our, our own way. Uh, that actually end up failing uh, as a result of that. In verse 17 of chapter 2, uh, it tells us actually that God, you know, as He talked about it in other areas in this book, in chapter 1, He said that He had struck their efforts. Uh, you know, I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn to Me, declares the Lord. It's amazing that... Um, The the emptiness of our toil and the under-delivery of of doing things our way uh, in an earthly way. Um, is so that we may wake up to the reality that uh, you know the, the fullness of what we're looking for is found in Christ. Uh, it's found in eternal things, not temporary things. Um, and so you know, God is saying again here, as I mentioned in chapter one, the chastening was because God's chasing them. Here it's like God's saying, uh, you know, I've turned on your on your toil so that you may turn to me. Uh, and so, you know, it's the toils, it's the, uh, it's the time, it's the trials. Um, but I think, you know, connected to this last thing I've mentioned is also the truth. The, tr- the truth of God's goodness and God's grace that actually shakes us, you know, wakes us up, God's kindness. That leads us to repentance. The, the fact that we are in need of God's grace and God's mercy. When we realize our deficit now and when we, when we do things in our own strength, in our own way, that it just does not cut. It just does not satisfy. That truth is a shaking thing in many ways. Um, and, and I love how this book ends. You know, the last verse here is God saying to Zerubbabel, uh, I have chosen you. He says, um, you know, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, And I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. What an amazing thing. And so we're not just shaken by this truth that God is gracious and merciful uh, and that we are in desperate need of Him, but we're also secured by this truth. Uh, and you know, you know, I want to transition, you know, sort of from those sort of trials uh, to how do we endure those trials? And this is a clue here: this truth that that God is our anchor, that He is gracious, uh, is the thing that secures us when we go through some of those things. Um, you know, just a little something on on being chosen. I, I, I've mentioned this before. One of my favorite uh, TV shows is called The Chosen, and uh, and in episode eight, in particular, there's this scene. It's fictitious, you know, it's kind of a little bit made up, but based on, you know, the, the truth in Scripture, but, you know, some creative license taken there. But there's a moment where a Canaanite speaks to, to Jacob, uh, you know, one of the fathers of the faith. And, um, and he talks about the um, gods in Canaan, Canaan that are not very nice. And so, you know, he asks Jacob, you know, what God do you serve as a foreigner, you know, coming in here as an immigrant? And, and Jacob says, El Shaddai. Just as Hebrew for uh, God Almighty or God Most High. So, even there, you know, as they kind of talk about your God and my God, like Jacob is saying, Yeah, well, mine's the best, you know, mine's the highest. Um, and so, um, you know, he asks him, he says, I've never heard about him. Tell me a bit more about him. Uh, and it turns out that, you know, Jacob says he's never seen him before, but, you know, he says, he actually has broken my hip. I don't know if you know that. Remember that account in the Old Testament where Jacob wrestles with God and he touches his hip. And so he says, no, I've never seen him, but he's actually, he's broken my hip once, you know. And this Canaanite is just completely confused and going, going well, what, uh, what's up with that? You know, of all the gods that you could possibly choose from, this is what he says. You picked an invisible God. And he's saying that because he asked him, where are your idols? Where's your temple? You know, he said, no, well, we don't carry an idol of this god, you know, so he's like, okay, so you, you can't see him. Um, so he says, of all the gods you could possibly choose from, you picked an invisible god, whose promises takes generations to fulfil. That was another conversation they had there about, you know, God promising to give them a land. He says, okay, where is it? He's like, well, we're still waiting for it. It's coming. And he's like, this doesn't make sense. You can't see him. His promises take. Generations to fulfill. So remember I talked about time, how long it takes. And he says, and he makes you sojourn in strange places. So you know, you guys are are, are pilgrims all the time. And then he breaks your hip. He's like, I don't understand that. He's like, why would you choose a God like that? And I love Jacob's response in the series. He basically says, uh, we didn't choose him. He chose us. It's an amazing thing to know that you are chosen by God. You can actually go through some of those dry seasons, some of those long, long moments of of, uh, of of not seeing promises fulfilled. You can even walk with a broken hip if you know God chose you. You can walk a little bit with a limp if you know that you're chosen. You know, and uh, you know at the end of chapter two in Haggai, there's a reference there to uh, some of the victories that God's given them as a nation. Um, in verse, uh, let me see, verse 23 of uh, verse 22, actually, uh, God says, you know, he's going to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. He's about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and to overthrow the chariots and the riders. That's actually a reference to Exodus, the Exodus where Israel was rescued from slavery there. Uh, and the horses and their riders shall go down. And then he says, everyone by the sword of his brother. That's another reference in Judges to the victory that was given to Gideon. Remember Gideon whittled down his army to just 300 men and they they had victory over the Midianites. Um, and again, it reminds me just of of even in chapter one, here, it says just, there was just a remnant of people back in Jerusalem. But God's going to do it with a remnant, you know. Uh, and, and so it, it, re- it references just God at work. You know, we're talking here about God choosing us and I, us not choosing God. And uh, and it's amazing here that in in these these uh, uh, um, examples that God says of of Him. Ultimately, bringing his kingdom about, shaking the world as such. It's a reference to what he did in those two battles, you know. And in those two battles, if you read carefully, you'll you realize that actually God was the warrior, and Israel did very little. You know, God did all the work in in redeeming and in saving, and Israel did very little um, other than maybe just trust God. You know, um, and so I think that's incredible. You know, Toby mentioned God's choice of. Zerubbabel, um, you know, and that's God doing the, the, the stuff. It wasn't on the basis of, of, of their performance at all. It was God's, God's keeping His promises in spite of uh, uh, them that through Zerubbabel's lineage, David's lineage, Jesus would come. And today for us, on the other side of the coming of Jesus, we are chosen in Christ. That's what the Scriptures say, in Christ. And, and in that, Jesus becomes our foundation. You know, Knowing that we are chosen, that's the thing that keeps us secure. That holds us through the shaking and the trials as He becomes our foundation and we are secured by it. Shaken by that truth to some extent, woken up by it, but secured by that truth for sure. And uh, in 2 chapter 18, it's amazing uh, what, what, uh, how God kind of asks this question to the people. He says, uh, um, let me see if I've got the right one here. Consider from this day onward, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. All right. Consider: is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. What What is going on there? Um, you know. I think there's there's a connection between the foundation and this this metaphor of the seed. Uh, you know, being in the barn. Is it? The answer is no, it isn't. Where is the seed? The seed is in the ground. You know, they're talking about the, the harvest has not come yet, but God is saying, but from this day I will bless you. It's like next, next turn of the season, see what's going to happen. Why? Because the foundation is laid. And for us, Jesus is the foundation. And if you know anything about foundations, foundations don't look like much. They're generally under the ground. Uh, and uh, but, but they are so vital, so pivotal to the the growth and the strength of a building. It may seem like nothing, but in fact, it is everything. And this is our, our promise, is that actually if Jesus is our foundation, the, the, the it's like the seed is in the ground. The, the potential for fru- fruitfulness is there. In fact, the promise that you will be fruitful is there. You will bear fruit because the foundation is laid, the strongest bit, the most important bit. And uh, it's like the seed being in the ground. That, that he is saying to, to these people, don't worry, it's coming. Once again, I'm, I'm going to shake the nations, you know, I'm going to make Zerubbabel a signet ring, and, and that's pointing to the, the coming of Jesus. Um, and, uh, and I think that's why when we read about the latter glory being greater than the former glory, what, um, the, what, what is coming being greater than what was before, uh, you know, Mike reminded us of how amazing the temple before. This was—it was incredible. There's a sense that they could never replicate, not at least with the resources at hand at that moment. They couldn't replicate that amazing temple. And so, how can the latter then be greater than the former? The latter table, well, uh, uh, latter temple. Sorry. Uh, firstly, because a person is better than a palace. Uh, I, I always, I, I, you know, I, I, and it's pointing to Jesus. Jesus, who is ultimately the fulfillment of the temple. You know, he, he's everything, and every metaphor, in many ways, yeah, he he fulfills. Um, and I and I think of people who pay money to go see amazing homes. You know, Alvis's home in South Africa. You can go to Nelson Mandela's home, or you can go to uh, you know Bishop Tutu's home. Um, and uh, you know, there's there's all these. Um, amazing homes that you could visit but the homes themselves are not that spectacular to be honest you know Nelson Mandela has got two homes one sort of wealthier suburbs and one in sort of the townships that he grew up in they're kind of fairly average homes in comparison to other homes but what makes the home so special is the person that lives in that home the person that 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 used to stay there and uh you know for us uh you know the temple uh, is not about the 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 palace the structure but the person the, the presence of god ultimately that these these guys uh uh knew would be part of the temple and then ultimately the very presence of God in the form of Jesus uh, who, who came uh, as a fulfillment of the temple, the, the, the final temple in that sense. Uh, and then it's amazing that as he died and he rose and he was resurrected, uh, uh, ascended into heaven, poured out his spirit upon his people and then as we will read in some verses here, we are now that a temple uh, by which the Holy Spirit dwells. So, like he kind of passed that, that image on that we, the body of Christ, is that, the household of faith. We, we are now a temples of the Holy Spirit. It's an, an amazing thing. And it's all because of his presence in and with us, about the person, uh, not about the palace. And, and so, you know, let me end off by just, you know, thinking about this implication for us as a church. Um, and, and, and what does it mean to, to build our lives upon Jesus uh, as the foundation uh, and for us to sort of endure uh, as a result, therefore, you know, through the trials that may come our way? And, uh, you know, the Bible describes it in two ways. Um, one is that we are being built in continually, built into a temple, um, and that's corporately. Uh, and, and the other way is more of a personal being uh, or us building upon the foundation, you know, as individuals. Let let me make sense of those two things by just reading the the scriptures to to help you see that. Um, In both these cases, as I said, Jesus is the foundation. And so building onto uh, Jesus as the foundation, a kind of a personal thing, we can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll read from the second half of verse 10 all the way through verse 15. It says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So what's going on here? This is a description of the life of a believer that is, is likened to building upon a foundation, and in this case, no other one than Jesus Christ. So a believer is uh, someone whose faith is in Jesus, Believe the gospel, builds their life upon that. But how they build will be tested. The, the day speaks of that final judgment day, the, the, the kind of climax of history. And, um, and so there's a warning for us um, that nothing built outside of Jesus as the foundation, first of all, will stand. So maybe, maybe you, you're listening today and you're not a Christian, and I want to say to you, as as amazing as your life may be, you know, even building perhaps with what is what is described as gold, silver, and precious stones that could make it through, you know, a, a furnace in terms of testing its purity. It's saying that if you're not upon the foundation of Jesus, it will not stand. Um, and so, and so, if not on Christ, you know, it, it will fall. But to a Christian, the, the warning is, is also that, of course. Um, uh, we can do worthy work, you know. Outside of Jesus, it will not stand. Just like 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 uh, those who have rejected Christ as their foundation. But also, we can build uh, in an unworthy way upon this worthy foundation, upon the foundation of Jesus. Um, you know, we can live our lives uh, and, and do things and pursue things that are void of. The weight and the eternal glory. Things that can be easily consumed. Things that will not stand. You know that when the shaking comes, it's clear. uh, You know, Maybe it's a a house of cards. And and I want you to notice that God's grace is still at work here for a believer. Because they say that you will survive. You will suffer the loss of your your life's work being tested. But you will be saved, but as one through the fire in a sense. And so this has got nothing to do with working to be saved. This has got nothing to do with living your life in such a way that your life earns salvation. No, that's what the foundation of Jesus is all about, is that He earned foundation for you. You put your faith in the firm uh, foundation of Jesus' finished work, completed work for you, that you don't have to do anything other than your faith in what He has done for you to be saved. But then you live your life as a follower and a disciple of Jesus. And actually, sometimes what you do, how you live your life, the choices you make, it's like wood and hay and, and straw, things with no substance, you know a bit of a fiery trial comes boom it's gone it it, it doesn't 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 last um, but if we if we live our lives for God's glory, the things that matter of, that are of eternal consequence, we make decisions, we live self-sacrificial lives like Jesus did. We we follow His example. Actually, when trials and tribulations come our way, we uh, we not only are secure because we are upon Him as a foundation, but the things that we've done make it through the way. And and Scripture talks about us, you know, being rewarded for that. You know, that's that's not rewarded with salvation. It's a different kind of reward that the Bible speaks about. Uh, you know, wanting to hear from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. So, you know, we'll see how that pans out. But I do want to be one. I want to be a person that builds with uh, lasting things. Uh, upon the foundation, the lasting foundation of Jesus. Uh, I want my life, win, if it is tested, if it is shaken, to, to remain standing, to remain intact. And that's the challenge for us. And maybe if you're not a Christian, um, you know, I want to encourage you to consider that now. Is your life bu- built upon the foundation of Jesus? Because if not, it doesn't matter how amazing your life is, maybe you make some really good choices. Uh, if you're not on Christ, it's not going to last, it's not going to stand you need Jesus as your foundation. You need to be able to say to God, I'm here because of what He's done. I'm not here because of what I've done. That actually is, is pride in many ways. Uh, and and, and, uh, and you, you need to come humbly uh, admitting that you are in need of a Savior. You are in need of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And that can be yours even today, even in this moment. You can uh, make Jesus your foundation and live your light in light of that. So that's building on to, and lastly, um, as believers, uh, we are always being built into a spiritual house. You know, If we're a temple, we're building on, uh, onto the foundation of Jesus. But as a corporate uh, a group of believers, um, we are, in a sense, being built into a temple as individuals. What is, what, how does that make sense? Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 11. It says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God precious uh, chosen and precious so it's referring to Jesus he's the living stone it says verse 5 you yourselves so you and me like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus So so again, if you're not a Christian, you know, wanting to 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 bring things to God, it's only worth bringing to Him if it's through Jesus. Apart from Jesus, it's you trying to earn your way with your good deeds, uh, which always will fall short of God's glory. But if it's through Jesus, the perfect One, uh, actually, we can bring acceptable sacrifices to God, and we're 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 a priesthood. Um, we're, We're in other words, we we minister. To one another, uh, and, and in doing so, we we act like these living stones that we play our part in the wall of the spiritual house. Um, there's another another scripture, Ephesians chapter two, verse nineteen to twenty-two. Let's read that together. Uh, so then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus Himself. Being the cornerstone, right? He's the foundation. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I love that picture. You know, it's like amazing. It's like this building, but it's like an alive building. It says we are growing into a holy temple. Um, so there's this language of a, of a body uh, and a building all sort of mashed up together. And, and I love that picture of a stone uh, because a stone is not like a brick. You know, a brick just looks like the other one. You know, they all look the same, but, but we're living stones. And and, and that speaks of just the uniqueness that God has made you and me. uh, that He wants, you know, big and small and and, and oddly shaped and all sorts of stones are required for this for this wall that He's this kingdom He's building, this this temple that He is that He is building. Each one playing its part. And so the challenge to us today as City Gators and as listeners is that you in your life would be someone whose priorities are right, like the like to the to, to the the message to those in, in the book of Haggai, that, that you prioritize God's house. And what does His house look like? Well, it's you as a temple, you as a temple. You're building on the foundation of Jesus, making sure that if the trials, the shaking comes, uh, that may have come already this this last year, that that you stand. That actually you've built with things of, of eternal significance. You've made wise decisions in light of eternity. You realize that your trials are just momentary because you've got an eternal view. You live your life with eternity in mind. So so yes, um, you know the, the, the prioritizing of God's house is that you're a temple and you, you, you seek His kingdom first and His righteousness, knowing that other things will be added because that's his, the promise He makes. Um, but also that you're part of the church. You're part of a body. As a Christian, part of the, the, the body of Christ of which he's the head. Okay, so you're following Jesus. He's your Lord. He's the foundation upon which this spiritual house is being built. And you said yes to, to, to God. I love what is written to Zerubbabel in verse 23. Uh, about, it's written about him. God's saying, uh, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, and he says, I will make you like a signet ring. Isn't that amazing? uh I will take you and I will make you. And, and, and the challenge for us and to us is that will we let God take us so that God can make us into whatever He wants. So we, we're the stones. Wherever He wants to place us to be of benefit in this holy temple that's being built up, will you say yes to Him? Will you allow the master builder to, to put you where is required? Would your hand go up and say, Yes, Lord, use me. Uh, I, I want to be a living stone in your temple. Um, I don't want to be a rolling stone in that sense. I want to be be used by you. Uh, Can we be uh, those people who says, Lord, will you take us and will you make us? Uh, And on that note, I'd love for us just to end. uh, There's no commission today, but there will be a moment now uh, for communion where uh, I'd like for us to respond to this message today. This is a moment for believers, for Christians uh, to remind ourselves that yes, God has done uh, the work on our behalf to bring us uh, and to lay a foundation in our lives. That although we may, you know, go through the trials, through through the fire, through testing, that we would we would be saved. You know, maybe everything in our lives would burn up, but the foundation would be there. We would be we'd be saved. We we recognize that that was what Christ did for us on the cross. He lived our life. And then He died our death in our place for our sins. And so that's why Christians take this moment seriously. But you know, I, I remember you know, in, the, in, in, in the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 27, it actually said, it says there that when Jesus died on that cross, there was some shaking. That took place. When he died on that cross, the earth shook. It says the tombs opened actually after Jesus' resurrection. Those people came into the city. There was a sense that, that, that uh, you know, the, the society was turned upside down. Even as Jesus died and darkness came over the face of the earth and there was an earthquake, the Roman, Gentile, uh, you know, a non-believer, uh, cried out, Surely this is the Son of God. Uh, as he died in that manner and, and the earth shook, there was a real evidence that something magnificent took place. And, and maybe you are not a Christian uh, and you've experienced maybe a bit of God shaking. And maybe it's God waking you up saying, I, I need to be your foundation. And, and, and when you put your faith in Jesus and what he has done for you, uh, that's how it happens. That's how he becomes kind of the, the, the solid ground underneath your feet. Um, he, he comes and He saves you and He preserves you even though the storms may come. And the greatest storm that's going to come is the judgment of God upon the, the earth. And, and we as Christians escape God's judgment because the judgment came upon Jesus on that cross. He was our substitute. And so that shaking is still coming. And so maybe you've heard, heard a bit about that and you want to have a firm foundation under your feet. You want to to, to be preserved when that kind of shaking comes your way. And you need to be in Christ. You need to be on Christ. And so maybe you can take communion as a step of faith. Maybe you, know, you can think about the, Him dying in, on, in your place. He's, his body given for you. His blood shed for you that would wash you clean of your sins. And you can have your own shaking moment like it maybe was on that day when He died on the cross. And, and others around shouted, surely this is the Son of God. You can say, Jesus, you're the Son of God. You're the Savior of humanity. You're my Savior. And so I want to invite you. Um, to to take communion with us as your first act of faith, as as your first mo- time moment of believing and trusting in Jesus and and building your life upon Him, the firmest foundation ever. And so, uh, for us as Christians, uh, this is our moment to 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 remind ourselves that our lives uh, ought to be built upon Jesus, and and we uh, uh, are ones as He's given up, He gave His body to save us. I want to encourage you as a Christian. To give your body, uh, you know, as, as the, the, the word says, um, uh, to offer up your bodies as living sacrifices, uh, acceptable to Him. Um, that, that is our response when we look at the cross and His body given for us. We say, yes, Lord, take me and make me like you promised to Zerubbabel. I will take you and I will make you into a sacred ring. We say, Lord, take me and make me into a living stone that is useful uh, uh, for you and used by you. So let's enjoy uh, these elements together now, remembering Jesus as our foundation and the one who gave his body uh, for us now. So uh, we, we break this bread in remembrance of his body given for us. And we drink this cup uh, in remembrance of his blood that was shed, the, the blood of the new covenant, uh, that through through his shedding of his blood, there is forgiveness of our sins um, so let's drink this and celebrate this together. Let me end off by praying for all of us. I know I have not prayed yet. You know, I, didn't, I normally start at the beginning, but I'm going to end with a prayer now. So join me if you can. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word. We thank you for uh, the truth that both shakes us and secures us. We thank you, Jesus, that you are truth. Uh, and I pray that every single person would align themselves with your truth today, would be built upon the truth of who you are, Jesus, and would be built into your holy temple, which is your church, of which, Jesus, you are both the head and the foundation. Um, Lord, we just want to make everything about you. And so will you help us as a people to respond to this message uh, that was given through Haggai to the people of their day uh, as if it was given to us, that we would prioritize your kingdom, that we would prioritize your, your temple, uh, your church that has a message and that we would be living our lives um, making your ways and your will a priority um, at whatever cost because we know that you gave your very life for us and we're willing to lay our lives down in worship and in response to you. Help us to be that, to do that as a church.